Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am Dr. Law. With me, I got Kid Presentable. Hey, how you doing? Also with me, I got DJ Mark. Hello. And finally, the one and only Lavender Gooms joins us today. Greetings and salutations. You got to appreciate that I knocked the cable out of my headphones and I just kind of assumed you guys were talking and that all worked itself out. Um... First off, I'd like to welcome everybody here to the never end to day 385 of the never ending. And I want to emphasize never fucking ending Warriors Championship celebration. Man. I mean, you guys want to just I'll just do the math right now and add a full 365 to that current number because yeah, I think we just bookmarked the uh three peat. Oh, the Lakers thought they did something, guys. The Lakers thought they did something. Oh, we got LeBron. Oh, oh, we got Rondo. We're doing things, huh? You know what we got? We got the Tower of Power. He's too sweet to be sour. Funky like a monkey. The sky's the limit and space is the place. We got Boogie Cousins. Enjoy it, Lakers. Enjoy it. <laughs> You're real proud of yourself with that little ditty, aren't you? I am. I'm real proud of myself because let me tell you, uh, people in the rest of the country – there's going to become a point in March, not March, in May, right? Where you're all going to have to take a couple steps back. Because we're going to have to sort some shit out just among ourselves in California. All right? Where we are going to whoop that ass. It's going to be great. Stefan, your thoughts? I think it's fun. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about LeBron going to L.A. too because, you know, the Bay-L.A. rivalry is always such a prevalent thing. But the Warriors and the Lakers have never been good at the same time. Yeah, and like, I mean, that was what I was telling, uh, my, my, me and my dad were talking about earlier today, where I, before we got Boogie even, but I was like, we, when they got LeBron, my dad's like, that's going to be fun. You know, we haven't we haven't got a good beat LA chant that mattered in a basketball game in a very long time. We can get one of those going again, so. I mean, I well, just want to put a story out there real quick. Uh, I, I told it to you guys, but part of why I love this connection is uh, this is happening because of the time all those dudes spent at the Olympics together. Um, that's when Kevin Durant kind of made the decision he was going to come part of the come to the Warriors. He got to play with Draymond and Clay that summer, um, and Boogie was there. And apparently, the f- uh, four of those dudes were super buddies. Um, my favorite aspect was uh, Boogie Cousins would not ever for a moment let Draymond forget about his dick pic incident on Snapchat. It was like a video package where like Draymond or uh, Boogie blocked Draymond. So the first thing he does is pull his pants out and pantomime taking a photo of his dick and while talking shit to Draymond. And that just became the thing. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, Boogie Cousins, he, he made his home in Sacramento and the dude actually loved the city. So um, I'm sure he's got some roots here in the North Base, but... God damn, I did not see this coming. We just signed another all-star. I mean, straight up, I called Stefan like three times. And I think when you call you call me back, you're like, what what what's going on? 
Why why are you calling me this many times? We're gonna talk I mean, in ten minutes. We were gonna talk in ten minutes on this show anyway. Yeah, three times with uh, over like a five minute swing with no voice messages made me think something urgent had happened. Like if Mark wasn't already talking to me, I would have thought something happened to Mark. But yeah, urgent times. Exactly. But I I gotta say that LeBron has to be just so mad. I I imagine that he just signed to LA, you know, yesterday. He was probably somewhere in Santa Monica, sipping a nice red Pinot, you know, you know, thinking he was a mastermind. Then he hears Boogie Cousins signs with the Warriors, and then he probably just smashed it on his nice white alpaca, you know, rug. Just not caring and just filled with rage. Oh man, they can go get Kawhi. It'll be okay. You guys get Kawhi. It'll be fun. Yeah, but you see, here's the difference, Bobby. The, the Warriors get a fucking all-star who averaged 25 and 12 last year for a mid-level exception. I just, for them to get Kawhi, they need to give up the whole team. I just I remember reading like a couple days ago where like the Pelicans are like, man, we don't need Boogie. We won more games without him. Now all the Pelicans fans are like, what? What? Why? <laughs> why? 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 <laughs> This isn't a basketball podcast, um, though. This is going to be. Well, I'm so happy. I'm smiling. I have just a shit eating grin well, on I my mean, face. On that, Bob, shouts to uh, my favorite podcast net- network, The Ringer. No, no affiliation, but essentially all they are is a bunch of basketball fans who also like TV and video games and like nerd shit movies. Um, first, uh, uh, by the way, we got to give. Uh, we do our usual Trader Joe's plug. I got something. I uh, Trader Joe's makes their own. Um, Flaming Hot Cheetos. Cool. And they are good. It's like a buck fifty. And there's a shitload of them. Y'all should get them. It's good times. Um, got DJ Mark in here because somebody came at our guy. Because Mark gave one of his um his recommendations. You know, I'm not sure this was on a podcast or on a personal level, but it was specially requested to complain to DJ Mark that the album from the Sloppy Boys, Lifelong Vacation is maybe the worst album anybody has ever heard ever. Marcus, you want to defend yourself here? Uh, yeah, because that was our coworker OJ, and I explicitly told him, because he's leaving our employment office, I told him I'll give you one piece of advice before he go. I said, don't buy the Sloppy Boys album. It is not that good. There's one good song on it. So not only do I know, one, I told him not to get it. Two, he got it for free because it's on unlimited Amazon. And unless he listened to it while we were at work, he hasn't heard it yet. So he's just he's just playing you for the fool, Bobby. He played you like a fiddle. He played you like Trump and the other podcast host. He got you to say some shit that ain't true, and you got played. So really, Bobby, I'm sorry. You just got played by uh, OJ. It's he okay. I mean, OJ really just played me so I could attack you publicly, which I'm okay with. Yeah, which I, I mean, mean, I'll say it here. The Sloppy Boys is an offshoot, and this is – Steph will know. The, the Birthday Boys, the show got canceled. They're a bunch of – they're an improv group. And three of them have started a band, and they have an album called Lifelong Vacation. That's not that great, although I did listen to a little, couple more songs since me and OJ were talking uh, about it earlier today. And I enjoyed it a little bit more on second listening than the first time. But wouldn't recommend it, but, you know, if you have Amazon Music and you like the Birthday Boys, it's free, I guess. So, you know, no harm, no foul. All right, kids, uh, let's talk about fights because this is a big week. Um, I think a few months ago... We were, ta- we were talking about the fights we were looking forward to. And two of the three I was most looking forward to are happening this Saturday on the same fucking day. 
We got UFC 226 happening. Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic for Stipe's heavyweight title. Champion versus champion. Main event right there. Co-main event, Max Blessed Holloway, who appears to have been shouted out on Drake's new album, um, which is nice for him. Um, Max gets a shout out. His fucking, his illegitimate child doesn't. Not cool, Drake. Uh, and he's going to be taking on T-City Ortega. What? That's all, that's all news, Bobby. He shouts out his kid on the album. That was a late post-production ad. Um, T-City, Brian Ortega, uh, taking on Max Holloway for that title. 145 pounds. Uh, we also have uh, Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis, which, oh my God. Just, oh my God. Um, this card stacked top to bottom. We're going to get into our picks for that later on in the show. We also got a fight the night before, which is really unnecessary um, to try to get people to watch this shit on a Friday. But big fight for Israel Adesanya. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, we talk about some geriatric MMA that was uh, confirmed today. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that. That's what Mike lives for. A um, couple fight bookings uh, that aren't so ridiculous. little MMA history. We're going to do all this stuff. Not in the order I said because I was all over the place. But first off, um, Chuck versus Tito. Three. is happening for Golden Boy Promotions. Um, not the first time Oscar De La Hoya has dipped his toe in MMA. Um, Marcus, I believe he was involved in Affliction. Or at least he was standing there sitting next to Donald Trump during Affliction. So there's that. I don't know how how much of his checkbook yeah, was Yeah, I don't know how, you know, influential he was. He was part of maybe like a correlation. But, I mean, I, I think this fight in of itself is kind of interesting. I think the promotion it's on is more interesting than the fight, to be honest. Okay, let's put it out there right now. How much money do they need to charge for us to pay for this? Let's go one at a time. Mike, how much money? The main event is Tito Ortiz. And Chuck Liddell. Yes. For the sake of argument, that's all we know. And we have to pay a certain amount of money. You could say you're not willing to pay a cent, but we both know that's not true. This is I'd pay five bucks. Five bucks? All right. So Mike, Mike's going to need at least five friends to watch this with him. Um, minimum. Uh, Stefan, what you? I will say I'm not willing to pay a cent for this. I've made that choice already in the past. I yeah. just, I've not hung out with you guys because no, no, I, I believe you. When I said Mike would definitely pay for it, it's because I know Mike likes a dumpster fire as much as one can like a dumpster <laughs> fire in MMA. I mean, if they told you they were gonna, I mean, God rest his soul. But if they ran back somehow, if they somehow were managed to do Kimbo versus Dada before Kimbo passed away, the rematch. I mean, if it was within like 300 miles of Mike's house, Mike would have gone. So that's why. So, <laughs> R.I.P. to Kimbo Slice. But what's funny is that before the first fight, I wouldn't have paid any money to see that. Mm-hmm. I would have paid money to see that second fight just based on how hilarious the first fight was. I just, Mike texted me, yo, you see Donna tip over like a big oak tree? <laughs> um, Mark, uh, I'm going to say 10 bucks. That's what I'm willing to spend. Meaning, if we get, if it's going to cost more than that, I'm going to need some friends to watch it with me. Marcus, are you more forgiving of this than the rest of us? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I for me, it's it's I'm more in the camp of Steph and Mike, but it really comes like well, I, I want to see what the package is. If it's just Tito and Chuck, and then the rest of the card is a bunch of no name guys, and yeah, I, I really don't have any interest in seeing it because, I mean, as those two fights they had before weren't like bad fights, but they were one-sided. You know, Ch- Chuck handled Tito in both encounters, and they weren't, you know, they weren't so classic or you know great style matchups that 
I need to run it back. I think it's interesting now that so much time has elapsed. There's a lot of question marks around the fight, but I need they need to build something here to get me interested. And I don't know what that is because I don't know what what avenues they have to fill this event. Is it going to be mostly? I mean, is this in a cage at all? Is this in a ring? There's uh, I, I have no idea what this product's going to look like. So if I'm Tito, have, if I'm Tito, I'm not agreeing to this being in a ring. I'm just putting that out there. I just I just don't. I mean I. When you told me this fight was happening, I just, uh, automatically just assumed it was Bellator. This is right in their alleyway. This is the kind of fights that they promote and put on. So when he told me it was Oscar De La Hoya, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like that, that just threw me for a complete wrench. That's why I think it's more interesting the organization is happening in than just the fight. Because I think you could have had this fight in Bellator, and I don't think anyone would have really batted an eye. This is kind of what they're doing now. But for Oscar De La Hoya to put his organization on the line with these two guys as potentially the headliners, I guess, is what they're going with. Um, I just I need to know, like, what's going on in this event? Is this going to be a mixed combat sport event, which I kind of think would make sense? He'd try to put on some high profile boxers because I don't know if he could round out an MMA card with fighters that people are going to care about unless it's just more of this right who else can we think I of mean, that's like retired, i'm gonna ask a dumb jump back I'm, in I'm, i mean let's just write down matt yushenko right now um i'm gonna barnett here's another one for you um i'm gonna try i'm gonna ask a dumb question is there anything different in with a ring that's made for mma versus made for boxing or is it just the yes. same goddamn ring yes what? The, the ropes in boxing in and you have to even separate it even more degrees because it's not just a ring versus cage it's a there's a boxing ring, which is very different than a combat sport ring. Like when you have pride rings, I mean, and one of the things that pride did in their rings was they had an extra low rope that is supposed to keep the action inside the, inside the ring, which doesn't happen. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest faults in fighting in a ring is that fighters are constantly spilling out from under the rope when they're on the ground. And then you have to restart them in the center. And whether that's getting both fighters up to a standing position and walking to the center and trying to recreate the position that they're in where guys can get a little tricky and say, Oh no, I was grabbing my foot here and I was doing this and that in the position, which may not be the case. Or they literally do the Japanese thing where it's like, let's get five fuckers in here, grab an arm and a leg and let's just drag these guys to the center. Um, there's a lot of different things that go in. And I think also the canvas itself is different between a boxing ring and a grappling ring. So there's a lot of things that I, I have a lot of questions on what this event's going to be before I can really get excited or even say, I'm willing to put five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars down to uh, buy that event. But like, like you said, Bob, um, you mentioned Josh Barnett. That's a name right there that gets me interested. And I don't even—it doesn't even almost matter for me who the opponent is. That's a name that makes this event more appealing. I don't know if they're going to get Josh Barnett. I, I honestly, what I envision for this card is a bunch of boxing matches with guys that may or may not be relevant. I have no idea. And then we have a Chuck Tito fight in there, which is kind of not enough to get my motor running. So I don't know. He hasn't. They, Oscar has an uphill battle right now with me to sell me on this card. All right. Um, so yeah, that's happening. Um, Chuck is so old. Tito's old. Tito's got like four broken necks, cracked his skull. He died three times. You know Tito. He's had a lot of injuries. We've at least seen Tito win in the last few years. Uh, yes, uh, we're going to make reference to one of those wins uh, in a little bit, quite frankly, when we do um, our MMA history this week. Uh, another fight that was booked. And I think this is where um, we all realize Vulcan Ozdemir is not on the same planet as some of these other guys. Uh, Vulcan Ozdemir versus uh, Alexander Gustafsson. Uh, 
that is uh that's gonna be reality check time for that man right i mean maybe i'm the only one who feels this way what do you think steph um i'm not so dour on it as you no, no i'm alex, excited alex, for it alex i just like to stand he likes to box vulcan got crushed by dc when he got taken down you know vulcan made daniel cormier worry there for a minute you saw he looked sloppy at the start of this fight his hands are totally lethal I'm not certain that I'll probably I'm leaning towards Alex off the top of my head, but I don't think it's a it's a it's a knockout. Alex stands, man. We've seen him get nuked before. Granted, it's Anthony Rumble Johnson, but it's it shows it's entirely possible. So he's also I mean, he's also very uh, inactive in fairness as well. I don't know when's the last time Alex even fought anybody. I mean, do I think there's a big drop off? Yeah, I think that, but that drop off's existed for a while. But if Vulcan was to go there and knock out Alex, I would not be surprised either. Fair enough. Uh, I'm trying to think what else happened. I thought there was a, there was another fight booking, and I totally I totally fucking forgot. But at this point, I might just be like, well, fuck it, let's all move on with our days. Uh, oh yeah, Ally Quinta's not going to fight Justin Gaethje anymore. For- I'm happy about. That. It's, that's a good fight for us, but I'd like to see both of those guys get a win. Well, uh, instead, what's going to happen is James Vick is going to fight uh, Justin Gaethje, which is still a really good fight, too. And honestly, James Vick has deserved uh, a big matchup like this for a while. I think he's he, he's rattled off quite a few, right? I'm not talking out my ass here. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Bob. Like, he's like, I, I, I'm pulling out of my butt, too, but I do remember someone like, getting close to like 10 wins and in a row or something. He, something he ridiculous. A, and he had like, a, come on. Yeah. And, um, the problem was he fought to a lackluster decision in his last fight, which is what made him lose so uh, some momentum. Because I think, was that the Austin card? Which yeah. Was he, he, adamant he, he, fought tri- he fought Trinaldo, which is, it's hard to look good in Trinaldo fights, man. A lot of nothing happens in those fights. But, I mean, he's won four in a row. He's only has one UFC loss, actually. He's eight and one in the UFC. His only loss was uh, Benil Dariush caught him. And this was a time where I think we all thought a little bit higher of Benil Dariush after he had his own before he had his own skid. And I, I like that's just gonna be a fun fight. Like it's Mike, it's gonna be hard to that for that not to be a good time. Sorry, had to unmute myself. Uh no, no, I agree. Uh James Vick, I think he's won maybe eight or nine in a row. Uh outside of his last fight, he's always been a very entertaining fighter. And Justin Gaethje is Justin Gaethje, so you know win or lose that it's gonna be a good time with him i'm really excited about that fight and i'm also just really happy for james vick he's been calling anybody out that's of note for for years and he finally he finally gets his guy oh you're muted you are muted bobby sorry i was gonna say can we get justin gagey like a cupcake here man like let's just—he needs to win. You kind of want to get him a fight where it's like, okay, Gaethje's got this one for sure. I mean, he's not—I mean, he's not like—is like that's going to be tough. That guy's really long and lengthy, and he knows how to use that reach. That's not an easy out. He's one and two, right? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, Michael Johnson, Johnson. yeah, just yeah. three goddamn fight of the nights, three fight of the year contenders right there. I mean, I don't—I mean, I like Justin Gaethje quite a bit. I was the one tooting his horn about bunch when they showed up, and like, I think he's good enough to beat anybody, but. Maybe, like, let's get him a win here, though. wouldn't be the worst thing that happened. A little... Can you, like, give him, like, an okay grappler who does not have knockout power? Because uh, our boy is not long for this sport. Can we get... He got cracked. Can we just get him Abel Trujillo? That seems like a fight we could give him, right? Like, give me a guy like that. Just saying. Not terrible. I want uh, him to fight my boy, uh, Bobby Green. I, I would like that. be so good. <laughs> 
did we already we already we already talked about Quentin and uh, Vanderlei, right? I'm assuming. I think we, we touched on, on last week when we talked about Bellator. Uh, Quentin said he's no light heavyweight anymore, which we all have eyes. Obvious. Yeah, that's, he didn't uh, need to tell us that. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's Justin Gaethje says if he gets outclassed by James Vick, he'll have to hang him up. Uh, I don't want that. Um, Usada put out an annual report, and the part I enjoyed was most top five sus- uh, substances most searched by UFC athletes: cortisone, creatine, cannabis, cocaine, marijuana. Well, I didn't know creatine was something you couldn't take. Well, this isn't necessarily stuff you can't take. They're just trying to figure. They're just like Google it. They're oh, this is shit that people have in their bodies. <laughs> no, they're just searching to see. Hey, can I take this stuff? Or hey. I was at a strip club. I did some lines off a stripper. I got Am I going to pop so, for a drug okay, test so or not? This is on like their website. What substance are like searched for that you mm. can't take? Is that correct? It's it's like I'm a fighter, Mark, and I'm like, oh, I got a fight coming in a couple months. Hey, Google, what can't I have in my system? Am I allowed? To have how, how do they know about that though? They, they get the Google analytics. They're, no, they're searching their own. They're searching Usada's website. They got to search. That's it. What, okay, that's why I thought. So that makes me. <laughs> Because I thought half of the shit that like goes wrong with like these failed drug tests, like the guys don't know what is and isn't legal. So if they have a website, I have a lot less pity and for them. I, I, ha- I, I didn't have... know this shit was in there. Yeah, I have no sympathy for anybody at this point, man. To be honest. Uh, yeah. So that's where we're at with Usada. Um, let's just fucking let's just get into the MMA history today. Talk about this card. We have a lot of fights to pick. Our MMA history this week. Um, there's, this was going to be, I didn't think it was going to be as good as, I didn't think it was going to be as eventful as it ended up being when I further looked at it because uh, this is the week before International Fight Week, you know, Red, White, and Fight Week. Um, and a lot of times there isn't a lot of UFC cards the week before, but it turns out a couple things happened. Um, notably, and this is something three of us were actually at when it happened, um, eight years ago on June 26th, uh, 2010, uh, Fedor got choked out by, or got, got tapped out by Fabricio Verdum. Um, Stefan and I tried to sneak into the Verdum celebration backstage. That's my oh. lasting memory of it. <laughs> we got, uh, we got backstage just for a little bit before someone told us we had to leave the building. We got in there just long enough to see Fabricio with his like trainers and camp like literally hugging in like a ring around the rosy circle while jumping up and down like jubilously. It was a, it was a very endearing sight uh, before we grew to hate that man. Yeah. That that (laughs) was, that was also the wonderful night where um, the co-main event was Kung Lee versus um, someone help me out. The guy he lost to Smith, Scott Smith, um, where Kung Lee was getting the rematch. And just to give you an idea of MMA and San Jose, and San Jose in general. San Jose has a lot of Vietnamese people who are just there to see Kung Lee. So after Kung Lee got his win, uh, I want to say 20% of the arena got up, Stefan. Would that be a fair assessment? 20? Like, <laughs> I'm being it, kind. It looked like we were at the prelims after yeah. Kung Lee over. I mean, our boy Eddie missed the uh, Kung Lee fight himself being in the beer line came back with two <laughs> and I'm like the one Vietnamese guy that she came for you missed it yeah but, uh, uh, Kung Lee was god place. Kung Lee is god in San Jose um but yeah half a bunch of people going went to the club right after Kung Lee fought they didn't need to see Fedor um Marcus at the time whoo 
I mean, Fedor fucking lost, and it was legit. It seemed like it was just almost unfathomable, huh? Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things that at that point, Fader had only lost one fight. It was due to a cut. They had run that fight back, and he had uh, been victorious. Actually, no, I, th I think, I guess one was a no contest from a cut with Big Nog, and then I think TK got a, a cut win over him in, in rings. I think they did run that back, and he just demolished TK. Yeah. I mean, at the time, yeah, Fader really was the man at heavyweight. Uh, the UFC's division was pretty thin. I mean, I... I it's hard to remember exactly what was going on in the UFC at that at that point. I I think one of the things we'll talk about is Chuck Congo and Pat Barry were also knocking heads around then. So I mean, he, he was really the guy to beat. And, it was uh, it was honest. I remember this because it was the first MMA event I ever went to, and then six weeks later uh, was Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen. That's what okay. it was. It was exactly. I mean, I'm just trying to think about who was UFC champion at Brock. the time. And if Brock it was, Brock. was okay, yeah, okay. So there's definitely some interest. Because I remember afterwards, you and me were talking. You're like. I don't. You, you made the argument. You're like Brock does shouldn't necessarily automatically become number one because of this, because Verdum's the one who beat the guy who's number one. And I was like, well, that's a fair assessment, honestly. That well, I mean, Fader had accomplished a lot. I mean, yeah. you have to. I mean, one of the things you have to look at, especially with the heavyweight, is just how how long can you carry that mantle of being top dog? And it's tough. And we have Stipe now who has broken those UFC records. But you have to remember, for a good amount of time, Pride really was the place to. Uh, to really cut your teeth and if you were top dog there you were top dog in the sport so you can't i mean but at the same time uh verdum he caught him in a triangle which was very much a reality that we knew could happen but at the same time we've seen him fight big nog who's also a master at the triangle on the bottom and we've seen fedor sit in that dude's guard and blast away at him for 20 minutes so it's it still it still was unreal and it just it came so quickly and so suddenly. It was almost like we didn't really get a fight. But uh, at the same time, we might have been seeing, you know, the beginning of the end of, you know, one of the greatest fighters um, in the sport. Another fight uh, worth mentioning. Another moment of history. Mark mentioned it a year later. Uh, Czech Congo and Pat Berry, which, um, Mike, do you remember this fight? Which was just a fucking whirlwind of violence. <laughs> was this the one where I think... Uh... Was it Czech Congo got a uh, drop pretty badly and then he came back and won? Got dropped twice. Uh, and then he came back and he he deaded Pat Berry. Like Pat Berry was just unconscious from like a little hook. Um, that was when they just started swinging, right? I mean, Stefan, you remember that shit where there's heavyweight violence for about 45 seconds? <laughs> Is that the one where um, Brittany like famously like looked away in horror? Yes, that was that one. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> Czech was all wobbled, and then he got up with an uppercut, and Pat fell face first to the mat so suddenly and violently, just like under them, you could see that like the ring girls were in shot, and yeah, um, Brittany just like turns around in horror while covering her eyes. Like it was a violent knockout. Uh, Twelve years ago, on June twenty fourth, um, Michael Bisping, recently retired. Won the third ultimate third season of the Ultimate Fighter at light heavyweight, right, Marcus? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he took out. Um, we were we were trying to figure out who it was. Remember who he beat? It was uh, a guy was named blue haired guy, uh, Rafferty, something? Josh Rafferty. I think was the guy's name. <laughs> I'm a, I thought that's who it was when I looked this shit up. Um, and then finally, Marcus mentioned, uh, or Mike mentioned, Tito had gotten a win fairly recently. This wasn't that recent, uh, but seven years ago today, July second, two thousand eleven. Tito Ortiz broke his long-ass losing streak and beat Ryan Bader, which, Stefan, my lasting memory was all of us celebrating and doing the Gravedigger while Tito did it also. 
Man, that is a loss like Ryan Bader just can never live down from his career. Like, <laughs> no matter what Ryan Bader does, that's the first thing anyone brings up about him. Yeah, uh, Mike, that's some like J.R. Smith forgetting there were it was a tie game in the finals type thing. Like he's <laughs> never living, he's never living that shit down, right? Yeah, I mean, he he talks about now him being in Bellator. He won the belt, didn't he? Yeah, he's the damn champion. Yeah. He's yeah, like, win this he, tournament, but like, I'm he, still gonna remember that. About, he talks about he's one of the you know the best now, and every time he says that, I just think you lost to old Tito Ortiz. That's. He didn't just lose. He got knocked out and choked out. Both of those things happened in that fight. <laughs> didn't know even Tito knew submissions. It's great. Um, so, yeah, another thing. Um, uh, I forgot how many years ago this was, but Little Nog versus Shogun, the first fight happened. Marcus, um, I, I lost the damn date on this thing, but that was a famous, that was one of the greatest fights in Pride history that people wanted them to run back for years and years and years. And then the UFC finally did it when they were both too old, but... Do you remember that one and just the battle those two guys had? Yeah, I know. It was part of another, you know, legendary tournament in Pride, and I think it was the second round. And yeah, it was it, it really was one of the probably the, the probably the best fight Little Nog has had in his career. He's had some he's had some good bangers, but definitely one of those ones that forever was like, Oh, these guys are gonna meet up again. And unfortunately, by the time that actually came to pass, they they were just two different fighters at that point. But yeah, definitely I mean and again, you know, context is really key. At that point in Pride, you know, the Brazilians were really running MMA, and there was basically two schools that were top dog: Brazilian top team with the Nogueira brothers, and then the Shooter Box Academy with Vanderlei and Ninja and Shogun. And basically, you had the heavyweight champion. I, I don't know if at that point it was. I think Fedor might have taken the mantle, but for a while, it was uh, Brazilian top team held the heavyweight title and uh, Shooter Box had the light heavyweight and they had a lot of rivalry and a lot of fights and this was easily the most entertaining of those clashes you know we talked earlier last week about Arona and Silva and that was another top team versus uh, Shooter Box but this one really delivered the fireworks and uh, was an instant classic all right um let's talk about some fucking fights guys let's pick some fights let's knock this one out um and I'm going to word this the way it needs to be worded because uh, coming in as a minus 130 favorite is Israel Adesanya on Friday night to take on Brad Tavares. So I'm going to ask the question like this, Stefan. Is Israel Adesanya good enough to, got, to, to not get Brad Tavares? Um, I'm hoping yes. You know, um, he's a guy with a hype train, big kickboxing background. It's pretty much the right opponent for him, right? I think this is the right gatekeeper type test for him to see what his upward potential is. Tavares, he can grapple, but he's not necessarily a dominant grappler. He will stand up and kind of kickbox with you, but he's not, you know, he only recently finally got the first knockout of his whole career, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. After, you know, many fights and many years. He, he's a guy who, who, well, we would always say his biggest skill set is toughness, right? He's a guy who hangs in there, who fights you close, and maybe he gets the decision on you because he was a little bit better at grappling. He was a little bit better at striking. But, um, you know, it's the type of fight that if Adesanya gets stalled here, you, that's how you know he's not ready, right? This is just yeah. an all-around, well-rounded MMA veteran. But I'm I'm going to – I would take the bet that Adesanya is legitimate. Yeah, I, um, I don't like this at all for him because – he didn't just show bad grappling in his last fight. He didn't, like, he did nothing, 
when the guy finally started taking him down in the third round. And that was Marvin Vittori. And I know Brad Tavares isn't, you know, Kale Sanderson. But if if Israel starts, you know, really getting the best of him, Brad's not a dumb fighter. He's big and strong, right? Yeah. Israel has a wiry frame. Um, and he looked he, like he was getting tired, too, I remember. Like, I feel like if, if Brad does this shit where he holds him against a cage and, you know, Randy Couture's it a little bit, you know, a little dirty boxing, I don't, I'm going to pick uh, Israel Adesanya, but I'm kind of more so just like I hope he wins because I'm all about picking all these guys on the come up, man. And, like, it would be better for everybody involved, I feel, if he can pull this off. And I think Tavares had some injury where he at one point wasn't going to fight. So I'm going to go with Israel Adesanya, but I don't feel great about this. The, the betting line is a real, I feel like a lot of people are like, eh, we don't know. Um, Mike, what do you think? I think that the UFC really needs someone like Israel Adesanya to become really good and win a lot of fights in a row. Uh, he is not like Colby Covington, where his shit talking just sounds forced and fake and... It really sounds like this is his personality. So I'm growing to love his kind of dickishness and how cocky he is. Uh, he did show a lot of holes in that last fight. Um, I, f- I forget the guy he fought, but it Vittori. wasn't... Vittori? Yeah, yeah he, he wasn't exactly like a world-class uh, grappler wrestler from, yeah. from what I remember seeing. And Brad Tavares, if, he, if he's got one thing, it's a lot of grit. So... It's entirely possible that this might be too much for Adesanya at, at the be at the outset, but I'm going with the hype train. So make me the conductor. I like none of us are that confident, but let's see. Uh, Marcus, are you going to make it a sweep? Or are you going to go with the vet, the man who's probably had 15 UFC fights, Brad Tavares? No, I, I mean, if I was smart, I'd go with um, Israel. Right? I feel like. I'm slipping in the standings because a couple cards ago I decided to take the outliers. Every year I, when I take the outliers to make the podcast, you know, I sacrifice my picks to make the podcast more interesting so we get some different point of views. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Brad, and it, it's not really that thing where it's like, oh, man, I'm, this is a dumb pick I have no faith in. Um, like you guys have laid out, there's definitely an avenue to succeed here, and it's something that Brad kind of does well. Like for both of these guys to win, they're going to have to play into their strengths and it's just really going to be is is Israel going to be able to accumulate a lot of damage on Brad early on so that Brad doesn't get into those later rounds where he can kind of he's going to have that stamina to push Israel and maybe get him on the ground and put him somewhere uncomfortable and and maybe do some work finish the fight from the ground with ground and pounder submission. So, I don't feel bad picking Brad uh, but it's going to be a tough out and I think we're going to learn a lot in that first round. If Brad can survive that, I think his his chances for success increase dramatically if he doesn't just get walloped. Like, if he's taking a lot of damage in that first round, then he's not going to be able to recuperate and push the pace for the next two. But if he's able to kind of stall him out a little bit, not get in a high energy uh, consumption first round, I-, I think he has a good chance to to lean in heavy on those later rounds and maybe get a late stoppage. Mike, did you update the standings yet when you're putting out this article? Or we don't know right now what everybody's I, I haven't. I haven't updated it yet. yet I just no. know Mark, Mark, Mark made some questionable picks. Last time, that is not. Uh, that had some is not close fun. ones. They both had I'm, chances. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, like Asparza might have gotten screwed. I mean, Reem just. I mean, Reem got knocked out. 
But he um, had that moment. Where yeah. Like, oh, you heard him. You, no, you blew it. You blew it. Sorry. But you know what? You and Carla too. Like, oh, you heard her. Oh no, you're blowing it. I you're mean, blowing it, talking about sacrificing me and Stefan just punted the damn CM Punk fight. So that's true. Uh, that's true. We all have pretty much the same record going in, so we're probably all pretty close there. We're close. We need um, a Punk fight, Bobby. I think he needs one more chance. Third time is a charm, is what they say. I don't know who you put him in with anymore. The green bare knuckle. Ranger. It's the, the last chance. Get the Green Ranger. In the bare knuckle people. Uh, the bare knuckle people want to uh, want to do this thing. Um, Paul Felder. We're gonna okay, let's get into the fights. And I thought Paul Felder and Mike Perry's on Fox Sports One, so I'm gonna assume it is. Whatever's going on there. Paul Felder's taking this fight on short notice. Um, Paul Felder. I really like him. A lot of it's because he's like he's a really good commentator. Um, he's doing a really good job with that. But he's coming off of three straight wins. Um, he whooped um, Charles Oliveira's ass. Um, you guys know how Paul Felder fights. It's like Donald Cerrone, but not as good. Um, uh, Mike Perry's losing a lot. Um, and the shine's kind of worn off a bit. This is a short night fight for Paul Felder, who normally is hanging around. At uh at 155 pounds, this is at 170. Felder's coming into this fight at uh, where the hell's the damn betting line? I don't see a betting. Oh, here we go. Felder's coming in as a favorite, minus 150 to 130 for Mike Perry. Mark, what do you got? Yeah, I think this is kind of a tough fight to pick. I mean, they're both guys that like to stand and bang. But what we have seen in Mike Perry's, at least in his last fight against uh, Max Griffin, that he was a little hesitant. He couldn't figure out how to get on the inside and really utilize the heavy punches until late in the third and just couldn't get anything going. Um, we criticized his corner a lot in that fight. Um, so I am going with Paul in this fight. I think he has, you know, a larger tool set to handle Mike Perry when it comes to the striking. You know, the guy's going to throw kicks. And on the inside where Mike Perry is going to be the most dangerous with his punches. And we've also seen Paul utilize elbows really well inside that short distance. So I think he has some tools that might kind of throw Mike off. Um, I think it's going to be a close fight and a tough fight if Mike can really utilize his skill set and get in the pocket and throw hands, which he couldn't do in his last couple of fights. He was getting uh, stalled out on the outside. And if Paul uses, you know, kicks and stuff to kind of keep Mike at bay, before we know it, we can go into the third round with Mike kind of losing, just not being active enough. So I feel kind of comfortable with Paul, but it's, it's a tough fight. Um, I'm, I'm going Paul Felder, too. I agree with everything you said, Mark. Um, I think we all, we all saw a lot of, if you fight disciplined against Mike Perry, the way, um, what's the name of the model? Uh, Joe Ban. That's the one? Yeah, Joe Ban. I mean, Joe Ban um, fought real. We were at that fight. I remember Perry kept trying to bait him into some bullshit. But Van, but uh, Joe Van's like, no, I'm just gonna pick you apart, and you can do that. So I think Paul Felder's got the exact skill set to pull that off. So I got Felder also. Mike, uh, I like Felder as a commentator. I hate Mike Perry as a uh, person trying to sell fights. Um, Yo, you hear Mike? Mike Perry found out he's like a, a one eighth black. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike Perry, he feels everything he says now. He can say whatever he wants now. He oh, found man. out. <laughs> I, I can't wait for him to drop the N-word in, in a live interview and say, nah, don't worry. I'm, I'm an eighth black. It's all yeah, good. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to keep it nice and short. I'm going to stick with Felder in this fight, even though it's a short replacement for him. Um, Stefan, I know you don't like Mike Perry at all, um, but... 
the man can hit hard. Is he gonna get? Is he gonna catch Paul Felder here, or what do you think? This is gonna be one of my com- one of my one commentaries. Since you know Mark mentioned making his outlier picks, you know, Mark like with his pick for Reem, it's he, he has his always has to pick Reem. I have my always have to pick against Mike Perry, and that's paid off really well for me lately. And the one thing I was just gonna uh, chime in about Felder is. I think he's been really hungry and I'm hoping he gets the win here too on top of picking him because he was pretty upset about losing his fight opportunity on the Habib card when Ayakinda got the shot. Felder wanted the shot. He didn't get that. He wanted to fight. He didn't get that. Um, and he lost a payday and he was pretty vocal about how he's not in the kind of place in life to miss paydays like that. So um, he'll probably have come in a pretty hungry fighter. So I like his chances here. He's a hungry fighter. He's fighting for a sandwich. Um, we're clean sweeping this one, huh? Okay. Um, Uriah Hall, uh, Paulo Costa, um, Paulo the Eraser Costa. Um, Costa's on a fucking tear. Um, he's eleven and zero. Um, he's the pro. He's, we're past Uriah Hall's the prospect. This is the prospect in this fight. Is Paulo Costa, 27 years old, 11 0 with, with 10 knockouts. Knocked out Johnny Hendricks. Knocked out Oluwale Bangbos. Knocked out Gareth McKellen. Knocked out fucking seven other people. Um, and the only one he didn't get a knockout in is he tapped out some dude in uh, Brazil in Jungle Fight. Which I'm going to say Jungle Fight might be my favorite name from a promotion. Like, like it just r- sounds real fucking like primal shits going on there. Uh, Costa Stefan is a massive favorite, isn't he? I can't remember what fight it was, but the first time I ever cited jungle fights, I remember Mike thinking I was literally talking about a jungle fight. Like I was <laughs> these two guys getting into the jungle, and you know, yeah, you know, they their two campsites met each other, and it was just a brawl. But um, I'd be a fool not to go with the favorite here and the biggest favorite on the card, if I'm understanding this correctly, uh, in Paulo yeah. Costa. But I will say this sets up perfectly for you know Uriah Hall to have the stack decked against him. Or death back against him, sorry, and just pull out some spinning kick like nuttery here when no one expects. Yeah, you, know, you, you know what, Stefan? I was gonna say like if there's ever a fight, uh, Uriah Hall finds a way to win. It's the one where you like there's this one. It's the one where you expect him to get his ass whooped. Then he just pulls something out, and you're like, well, okay, um, yeah. Uh, I, I, totally capable, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet my money on him this time. Yeah, um, minus four something, right, for this dude? Minus four thirty. Uh, minus four thirty for Costa. Um, he's gonna erase Uriah Hall. Bubba. There we go. Enjoy that, folks. Yeah, I think he's gonna smoke him. I got, I, I'm riding this kid's hype train. Um, and if he beats this guy, we gotta give him somebody really real. Cause that's a lot of wins. Um, in a row at that point. Uh, Mike? Uriah Hall was my original plum pick. Oh, Mike's gonna do it again. Here it comes, folks. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That sigh was to tell you he was my original plum pick. But I ain't stupid either. Uriah Hall is a massive disappointment as an MMA fighter. He's had all the talent in the world, and for some goddamn reason, he can't put it all together. I'm going with Costa. In fairness, he's coming off of a win. I mean, I don't care. Look, some of the people he's lucky. I'm going to defend my man for a second here. No, the not. people he's lost oh, to, okay? Fuck Uriah Hall. Okay, you know what, Marcus? Before you make a pick, these are the people he's lost to. Musasi, Derek Brunson, Robert Whitaker, Rafael Natal. All right, this is when it gets iffy. John ha- Howard. <laughs> John Howard, okay. Doomsday. Um, Kelvin Gastelum. And then he lost some ring of combat fights to Weidman and Costas Philippou. He does not lose to people who are not legit. That's all I'm saying. 
Mark, is that a reason for you to pick him? Or are you going to stick with the prospect here? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, you almost made a case like, against it, right? Because he doesn't pick, he doesn't uh, lose against guys that aren't good, right? And I think at this point, um, we think Paulo's pretty good. And I, I, the only real knock here is just that when I look at Paulo's record, it's very impressive, right? All finishes. Um, the names on it don't really do much to impress. Um, besides Johnny Hendricks, it's a lot of guys I'm not super familiar with and an opponent that they share that they both went one against. So, um, you know, I, there's not much of a track record, but he's building it. Right. So I can't really knock the guy for winning all his fights within, you know, three rounds. Um, and at the same time, Bob, I, I think with Uriah Hall is the chance of victory there for him. I think in every fight it is because of how dynamic and explosive he still is today. It's just getting his head mentally there and being able to find the spots to explode and excel and to win the fights. I feel like it's becoming harder and harder for him to find those. And when they do materialize, he has another barrier where it's his mind saying, go go for it, do it now. And I think there's a block there where he's not always ready to pull the trigger. So, yeah, I got to go with Paulo in this one. All right, clean sweep for the eraser. Um, I like that nickname. Um, I think we're at the main card now, if I'm not mistaken. And, oh, my God, Gokensaki time, folks. Gokensaki, uh, my favorite kickboxer. Might be Stefan's favorite kickboxer, too. I feel we might have talked about this before. Um, Gokensaki fighting in the UFC again. Um, I think he just had the one fight where he looked really tired that knocked that dude out at the last se- Yep, there we go. He had about one round of energy, and with 50 seconds left, he knocked out Henrique da Silva just when things were turning against him. Uh, Khalil Roundtree is 28 years old. Looks like he's made of fucking granite. Um, he's nine. He's a uh, six and two, um, with one no contest. Uh, which uh, he lost the last one, but it was overturned because the other guy tested positive for uh, clomiphene, which I want to say is the diuretic, but I'm not sure. Um, got UFC wins over Paul Craig. And Daniel Jolly, uh, losses to Tyson Pedro and Andrew Gonza- Andrew Sanchez. Gokensaki is 1-1 in MMA, but um, he's a fucking decorated-as-hell kickboxer with 83 wins, 12 losses, 1 no contest. He's got 59 fucking knockouts. Um, left glory after a contract dispute, came back, broke his fucking leg. Or no, broke Tyron Spong's leg, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what's the betting line on this fight, uh, Stefan? Oh, sorry. Let me go back real quick. I was looking at Khalil Roundtree's fight history. Um, I believe it's pretty close, but Gokhan is the slight favorite at minus 135 to Khalil Roundtree's plus 115. I'm just going to put it out there. I think by reasons are self-explanatory, I'm taking Gokhan Saki. Uh, Mike, what do you think? I actually saw Gokhan Saki's last fight. It was uh, it was a fight in, uh, in the Saitama Super Arena. Uh, mm. Pretty entertaining, uh, even though it was kind of sloppy. Um, you know, uh, another thing with the uh, Khalil Roundtree, you say he's made out of granite, but growing up, he was made out of putty. He was actually a very pudgy kid. Uh, but that fun fact aside, I'm going to pick Gokan Saki. Why, why, why you got your head in your head, Bobby? Well, of all the thing, I, I thought you were going to bring up the more interesting part about the guy's childhood as tragic as it may be. No, I wanted to keep it lighthearted. Okay. Fair enough. People have to go Google that shit themselves. Uh, Stefan, what do you got? Um, you weren't wrong when you said like Okansaki is one of my favorite kickboxers. Like, I love the way it's, he it, it's fights. him and Nikki. It's him and Nikki Holskin, right? Those yeah, are your two I, favorites. I, it's for the same reason. They both fight. Very, they mix in their punches and kicks 
like the body punches they do. It's just the combos they fire with, just furious, fast, precise. Um, that said, Gokan Saki's UFC fight worries the hell out of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like how badly he gassed. And Khalil Roundtree, like, put this guy, you know, now that he's cheated a couple times, put this guy on my new list of how has he not popped yet. Like, oh, the other guy, the other guy cheated. Oh, Roundtree? Uh, no, no, Roundtree has. Oh, you're. Oh, I think you're saying oh, like Roundtree is like the guys who. How have they not popped? Like, mm-hmm. at, I mean, he 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 is a big dude, but that's kind of what I'm worried about. Is he could just play the grappling game on 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 Saki? He could wear him out. Like with how bad he gassed, there's no way his camp isn't going to tell him to let's wear this guy out for one round. Don't stand with him. Just hold him against the fence. Shoot takedowns, and then by the second round he'll be dead. Like. It was a miracle that he pulled yep. that out, out of his ass. And Roundtree is still young. He's still explosive. As long as he's not a complete idiot, I think he can win this fight. So you're taking Roundtree. I'm going to take the slight underdog. Right on. Stefan, being the turncoat that he is, picking the man that's from Los Angeles on a day like today. Um, Marcus, um, who's your pick? And give me your answer. Do you like the nickname The Rebel more or do you like Turkish Tyson? Turkish Tyson. I like alliterations, right? Fighter, that nickname belongs to Mark. Is it? In this fight, I'm glad that Steph picked Roundtree because there's like like we've all broken down. There's definitely a course to victory here. He has to grapple with them. I just like you and even Steph. I like Gokan Saki. You know his style of kickboxing is extremely entertaining. He really wasn't able to utilize that super efficiently in his first fight. I mean, like you guys said, this is a combination fighter. He's doing his best when not only is he throwing combinations, but varying his attack from legs to the body to the head. And kind of like what I say with uh, Donald Cerrone so often, like he does well when when his opponent is just in the middle of the chaos. They don't know what this guy's going to throw next. They don't know what to block. The liver shot that's coming, the leg kick, or the fake leg kick that's going to come up for a, a high head kick. So... I mean, I think that the tools are all there for Saki, but he has big gaping holes. Um, and it's not going to be... I, I don't think the outcome of this fight is going to be too much of a surprise if we see Roundtree using his youth and athleticism to be able to kind of bully his way into a clinch and, and tire him out. I'm not going to be surprised if Gokan Saki's got nothing left in the second, gets taken down and beaten. But uh, I want to see Saki win. Um, I, I, I don't think it's realistic to think this guy's going to be able to transition into a high-level mixed martial arts fighter like we saw with Mikhar Kokrop. Um, but who knows, right? I, I want to see what this guy has. I, hopefully, I just want to see him be able to utilize his skill set a little bit more efficiently in this fight. Um, Roundtree is going to try to stop that. And if he's smart, he's been training nothing but how to get into clinches, how safe ways to enter the clinch range, how to get him against the cage. So we'll see if the training pays off. Mike, who'd you end up picking? I ended up picking Gokan. Gokhan, yeah. Syndicate MMA is where he trains, and Syndicate MMA is really uh, unheralded team. But they, I mean, they've really they can do good work, and they've made Roxanne Montefiore into a real viable fighter as well. So they can get you to fight smart. So we'll see if Khalil actually does that. Uh, Michael Chiesa, Anthony Pettis. Speaking of pissed off people, Michael Chiesa, real pissed off at Conor McGregor because he's convinced he would have gotten that title shot, and not Ally Quinta. Jesus. yeah, a bunch of people pissed off. Anthony Pettis is Anthony P- is twenty is twenty and seven now, um, two and two in his last four fights. Not totally right at the ship, but you know he's there. Michael Chiesa um, lost to Kevin Lee. 
despite the arguments he wants to make that he was somehow going to pull this shit off. Um, that shit wasn't all that close. He got choked. He lost. He should probably deal with it. Um, he was going to fight um, whenever Connor did the bus thing where he ended up with glass on his head and a, you know shit like that. Kiesa's coming into this fight and what I'd imagine is a pretty decent favorite. Minus 155, not too big. Really? Plus 135 uh, to Anthony Pettis. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to... I I don't think Anthony Pettis is as done as everybody else believes, but this is a really tough fight. And... Because um, Michael Kiesa is a very, very good fighter. And I don't know at this point if I'm comfortable picking Anthony to pull this off, especially with the kind of pressure um, Kiesa can put on him. I see him getting him against the cage. Anthony's got pretty good takedown defense. Uh, got pretty not pretty good takedown defense. Pretty good submission defense. So I don't think necessarily he's going to get caught in Kiesa's finishing move. You know the rear naked choke while against the cage. But I'm I'm not comfortable picking the former champ right here. I'm going to go Kiesa. Um, Mark. Yeah, I think this is a tough fight, and we obviously already picked it. And I think I picked Anthony in kind of a controversial fashion, and I'm going to go that way again. I do think it's a tough fight, and I I think Kiesa does have a good shot of doing what you just said, right, Bob? If you can just pressure Anthony, not let him get the distance that he needs, and just kind of smother him, he kind of seems to wilt a bit. And uh, it's probably a very likely outcome. Uh, but I did like what I saw in his last fight against Dustin Poirier. Even in a losing effort, he was very game. He was going after it. And we've seen him fight guys that are good wrestlers and do well. It's just been a really long time, and it just doesn't give you a lot of confidence. But when I look through his record of his his recent wins and losses, you know, like we've said before, you know, the guys he's losing to are kind of top tier. When you're losing to the Max Holloways of the world and the Dustin Poiriers, um, those two guys' stock are really high right now. So it's easy to kind of write those off as high-quality opponents. I just got the better of them. Um, Chiesa, is he in that realm? He's had some good wins, too. It's a tough fight to call. I'm going with Anthony. I think the smart money is on uh, uh, on uh, Chiesa, um, but I, I like Anthony to, to correct shift here, even though I don't. when I'm telling it to myself, I don't think it's super likely. Stefan. You're muted. Sorry. Um, I'm going with Chiesa, but I do see Mark's arguments because I, I think that's why it's really close is Chiesa, he's, he's got sloppy stand-up. So he's very crackable in that regard. Um, but one of the issues is he's got a pretty solid chin, which is what really benefits him being a pressure grappler, which you know we know is the Pettis weakness. And the picks I've been getting wrong lately have to do with Sergio, you know, um, because I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm doing one of the sins of the brother type situations with them. But Sergio can't win. And it's really I'm holding what I hold against Sergio is really what I hold against Anthony. And yeah, I, he showed signs of life in that uh, like Poirier fight, but I've just really soured on the guy, and this is going to be a tough match for him. So I'm going Chiesa or Chiesa, Mike. Ah, well, you say the sins of the brother, but Sergio Pettis actually won his last fight. Oh, Mike talked all that shit too, but he's just like, I don't know. Yeah, Sergio's not that good. Because I've been. I was talking that Sergio's gotten better and better and better, and that was a good fight, him and Benavidez. But and I think I remember mm. saying, "Never trust the Pettis." Mm. Well, I think I'm gonna trust the Pettis on this one, mainly because uh, as good as Kiesa has gotten, I still don't trust him to to beat a guy at, like Anthony Pettis. I know Anthony Pettis has kind of slid a bit in the last few years, but you know, like you guys mentioned earlier, you know, the last two guys he's he's lost to are are not slouches by any stretch of the word. Uh, 
while I think that Chiesa could do a good job of, of pressuring Pettis, I think that Pettis should be able to maintain the distance pretty well in this fight. And if we keep it as a stand-up affair, then it's going to be no contest for, for Pettis. And I want to give Pretty Tony one more shot. So, Anthony Pettis it is for me. Right on. Um, I think we're on to the fight that just is going to be either awesome for about three minutes or just real real bad uh, after those three minutes are over. Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis. Um, they've been talking shit to each other for a couple years now. Ngannou's coming off that loss to Stipe, uh, his first UFC loss. Uh, tra uh, Derek Lewis bounced back from a knockout loss to Mark Hunt to beat Marcin Tybura. Um, back at on that Austin card Stefan mentioned earlier. Um, the betting line for this one is a little more one-sided than I thought it was going to be. Um, Marcus, you and I were talking about this fight a few weeks ago, and I we were talking about Derek Lewis and, and Ngannou, and I think we both pretty much agreed they're both hit hard, but Re Francis Ngannou just is a little more, you know, it's a little less of a brawl. He's fighting, he does a little, he's fighting more of a mixed martial artist, more of a, like a mixed martial artist rather than just a big dude swinging and banging, as uh, Black Beast would say. I mean, I'm taking Francis Ngannou. Let me put that out there first. But Marcus, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm also going with Francis too. And I think how Derek would have to really win this fight is kind of make it a dirty fight, right? And when we've seen Nagano perform his best, which I don't think his last performance uh, against Stipe was his best performance, he seemed like he was trying to push the the action a lot more in that fight. Francis does the best where he's kind of playing the counterpuncher, where he's letting the guy come to him, and he's looking and finding those spots where he's able to explode and do maximum damage. And I think Derek Lewis is the kind of fighter that will have those openings and that Francis can really capitalize on. I think in his last fight against Stipe, he kind of veered from what had gotten to him to the dance, which was just being dynamic, explosive, but using those assets when the time called for it, where it really seemed like he was trying to make those moments materialize against the Stipe fight early on, got tired, and then Stipe just utilized a wrestling uh, game plan to, to, to tire Francis and finish him later in the fight. Or I mean, just get the, I think he got his decision, right? Um, I think Derek could do that here, too. He's a guy that is known that even though he looks like he's getting tired, he goes the distance. He still has something left in the tank. He always has that um, belief in himself that he's going to be able to get it done. But I, I kind of think Francis might be able to catch him early like he has been with so many other opponents when he's really on top of his game. So Francis really needs to correct ship at this point. Um, coming off the loss against Stipe, I'm sure, was mentally really difficult for him. Um, but Derek Lewis is an opponent I think he can win and look good against. So I'm going with Francis. Uh, Staff, what do you think, brother? I'm going Francis, too. Yeah, he's the second biggest favorite on the card. Um, I will disagree. I don't think there's a potential for this to be bad. We've seen both of these guys gas terribly, but I think that revealed what Derek Lewis's biggest strength is and that he's proven multiple times that even when gassed, he still has knockout power. Some of his knockouts, a handful of his knockouts come from when he's dead and exhausted, but, you know, that's, that's a rare thing. Like, I forget what analysts pointed out, but they're like, this guy always, it's the confidence that he knows he is always in the fight because of his power. That he has fight ending power, so like he doesn't give up hope on himself. But at the end of the day, Francis Nagano, you just look at them physically. One of them takes themselves far more seriously as an athlete and therefore just has a much higher uh, ceiling potential to me. 
and that's the uh, the man. I'm still, you know, I, I love those hype videos he had against Stipe. It's why I so wanted him to, um, you know, pull that one out. But uh, I'm really hoping he writes the ship here. Mike. If we were to equate these two gentlemen with weaponry, they're both sticks of dynamite or some type of explosive. I think Derek Lewis is more like a lot of TNT just in one spot, you know? Like, it, uh, it's very powerful, but it can be a little everywhere. Whereas Nganu is a goddamn RPG. It is focused, and that shit will fuck you up. You guys basically said all the real good uh, analysis, so I just kind of went with the metaphor. It's a clean sweep. Right on. Um, all right. And, God, I've been looking forward to this for so long. Well, so long. So, four months, but I've been very excited. Brian Ortega, T-City himself. Uh, does T stand for triangle? Does T stand for Torrance? Maybe both. Taking on Max Blessed Holloway. Um, Ortega's plus 121. Max Holloway is minus 131. You're thinking, man, that's a close betting line. You know what? That's what happens when you fucking start Frankie Edgar. All right? What happens when you ice Frankie Edgar like a fucking badass? Um, I am so torn on this one. This Max is so good right now. Like Max literally fought Jose Aldo a second time and just fought him the opposite way. Just switched his stance and fought him the same way but from the opposite angle the whole fight. He's such a smart fighter right now. Brian Ortega is making giant leaps in his striking. He got Frankie like... What's like that? He hit him like that strike was beautiful. And then I saw some other gifts of he hit him with like a standing elbow earlier in the fight. That he's on. He's really advancing his game at a, a just a really incredible rate right now. And as good as Max is on the ground, he is fucked if Brian Ortega gets a hold of him down there. Everybody is fucked if Brian Ortega gets a hold of him on the ground. I uh, I'm gonna go Max, but. There's a real chance we're gonna hear Ann new, a real, really, de a, a pretty solid chance we could we might hear Ann new in this fight, but I, I gotta go with the champ. He's he's just he's just looks so good. I mean Ortega's gotten getting better, but Max is getting better in every fight as well too. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Max Holloway in a fight that I think is gonna be quite frankly awesome. Uh, Stefan, what do you think? Um, good segue, and it's gonna be a nice bridge to the other two guys' picks because um. I'm gonna go Brian Ortega. Uh, I, this is a tough one, isn't it, man? I, this is I, a real tough one. It's, you know, on that is we're pretty biased in the way we all pick, right? When we like guys, it'll make us pick them regardless of what we objectively think of their chances. And I really like both of these guys. I've liked them for a really long time. I gambled at a roulette table with Max Holloway in Vegas when he was under the age of 21. So my man was using a fake ID. Did I snitch on him? Hell no. Let that boy roll his numbers, you know? Good times. Kid was 20 at the time. It was weird. But, again, I like both these guys. It's it's really, really hard. Holloway is tremendously difficult to take down. He His, you know, in terms of, like, the, 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 the old sprawl and brawl, like, he is a very, very modern evolution of it. Um, but you mentioned it. I, I'm really swayed by that Frankie fight. Um, that... That's where Brian Ortega's stand-up is right now is what makes me confident. 
is I think his stand-up is closer to Max Holloway's than Holloway's sub-game is to Ortega. So it's just like if I'm taking all the stats, I'm just going for what the highest, larger potential number is. And to me, that's Ortega. I'm not surprised either way. There's any way this fight can play out, and I could see it as a realistic possibility. But um, love them both, but Ortega has really impressed the hell out of me lately. Dude, I am so hyped for this one. This is going to be so great. Um, just elite, elite fighters. Uh, Marcus, what do you think? Um, yeah, uh, I I'm also going with Max. Um, I would say that um, what Max Holloway's been doing recently in his standup is it, it's it's a completely different level than um, Brian Ortega. Uh, the way it's not just how he switches stances and how he's completely comfortable um, punching on both sides. It's the way that he's mixing his defensive uh, head movement and uh, defense into not just weaving out of a punch, but setting up that weave with another counter strike. He is really working on a high level boxing techniques that Brian Ortega is not at yet. Quite frankly, what, what I've really seen with Brian Ortega is a mastery of the fundamentals and even going beyond that, right, when you say like um, using a standing, standing elbow is not really what I would, I would consider a fundamental stand-up technique. It's a little bit more advanced. Um, but he's he does everything very proficiently, but it doesn't really have the higher nuance that Max Holloway shows in, in his stand-up like we saw, we saw when he fought Jose Aldo. Um, I, I think you, you kind of look at the inverse of that, and it's the same picture but on the ground, right? Max is extremely capable on the ground. He knows his P's and Q's. Um, throughout his career, he's only got subbed once with uh, uh, Dustin Poirier, who's also you know a, a pretty uh, savvy guy when it comes to, to getting triangles and stuff. But Brian Ortega is just on a completely different level. If this fight hits the ground, Max is in serious, serious trouble. Um, fortunately for him, each round is going to start standing up. And I feel like Brian might have a little bit of a hard time getting in clinch work, finding areas where he's going to feel comfortable shooting on Max, where Max isn't using his footwork to get in and out and changing his position. I think Brian, his biggest hurdle in this fight is just being able to get comfortable um, with standing up with Max and not constantly being trying to reposition himself and trying to retweak how Max is moving, how he's changing his stance, and how he's going to react to that. He needs to be pushing the action more, not reacting to what Max is doing, but making Max react to himself. I feel like it's going to be a tough thing to do because even in those situations where someone's leading the dance against Max... He's shown high levels of footwork and switching stances that he's able to re-control the fight. Like when Jose Aldo's pushing the action on him, he's right there able to duck and move and, and counter fight. So it's, it's going to be a fantastic fight. These are just two young, talented fighters who have been constantly growing and getting better, but in different fields, which makes the matchup really interesting. And I think we said this before with Brian Ortega. A lot of his fights are just going to be interesting just to see what he's able to do because unlike a Mark Hunt or a heavy hitter, this guy has been losing fights and just grabs on a guillotine and wins it at the last second. And that could happen here, right? You could see Max winning five rounds, 30 seconds left, and Brian jumps into a, you know, just uh, jumps into a guillotine choke and gets it. Like he has that kind of skill when it comes to submission that he's always going to be in this fight. Even if he's bloody, messy, and losing, he's always going to have that chance that one slip up on Max, he can grab his back. He can take him down. He could jump for a submission when they're in clinch. Um, there's just a lot of variables in this fight that makes it super exciting. I'm going with Max because I'm more comfortable with it, and I've seen a lot of growth there. But Brian has been blowing us away, right? His last fight against Frank was unreal. Mike? 
we've seen Max prepare for a lot of different types of fighters. We've seen him adjust. We've even seen him be a crazy mother effer and point to the, you know, point to the ground and literally just stay there and wail on people. Uh, if it gets to the ground, yeah, it's it's gonna be really tough for 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 Brian. It's gonna be really tough for for Max, but I think that probably Holloway's whole game plan, this whole camp, has been to not let it get to the ground, and we've seen him come up with some pretty good strategies so far in his in his career um, when it comes to individualized opponents, and I don't think this fight's going to be any different. Uh, Ortega for sure has the advantage when it comes to the to the ground, but. I could see Holloway just neutralizing that part of his game. I'm just this is gonna be such a great fight. Um, and finally, the main event: Daniel Cormier attempting to do the one th to do something that nobody else has ever done, and that is hold both the light heavyweight and heavyweight title at the same time. And Steve Miocic is trying to do something that nobody else has ever done either, and that's defend this fucking belt for five times, right? I think he's at, he's at four now, right? Uh, uh, a comment from the class. Yeah, uh, he he would be the second person to hold two belts simultaneously. I said I specifically said hold a light heavyweight and heavyweight title. Oh, that's my bad. I wasn't paying attention well enough. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, I I believe Stipe, if I'm not mistaken, is five and has defended the belt four times, which is already a damn. No, he's defended it three times, which nobody else had done already. Uh, he already broke that record. Um, and, uh, he's going to go for four. And as much as there's jokes about the UFC heavy division and nobody trying to hold the belt very long, it's because these motherfuckers are huge. The gloves are small and one mistake and you are unconscious. And Stipe is the greatest heavyweight the UFC's ever seen. He's got the resume and quite frankly, athletes aren't getting worse. So I, yeah, I mean, for me, it was Kane for the longest time, but you got to sustain it a little bit, and uh, we'll see if Kane can come back and actually walk, let alone fight. Uh, Daniel Cormier has never lost a fight at heavyweight. Uh, Daniel Cormier has never lost to anybody not named John Jones, and one of those got it, uh, got taken off his record. Daniel Cormier, um, for those of you who maybe didn't watch a lot of Pride, Daniel Cormier went from having a kind of so-so fight with Jeff Monson, which I want to say I watched with... I, I know I watched this with Stefan, actually. Because it was the same fight where Overeem and Verdun were doing that dumb shit with Verdun was trying to like be like, kept flopping to his back. Um, that was a fight where we looked at Daniel Cormier. I remember having a conversation with Stefan where we're like, he should have put this guy away. Like he's like fighting Jeff Bonson in a kickboxing bout. Yeah, we watched and that. Then, um, he was better. He was better and, uh, you know, but he, he couldn't get a finish, right? He was a guy like, ah, he doesn't know how to finish a guy. He doesn't know what to do one way or another. It, Exactly. And then his next fight it was six months later, not even three months later, against Antonio Bigfoot Silva. And all of a sudden, my man had dynamite in his fists. Like everything came together. Everything he was learning, training at the American Kickboxing Academy came together. And he and immediately after that fight, everybody's like, oh, he's going to whoop Josh Barnett's ass. Like that's coming next. I mean, that's and then a, he did. And then that's the actually the funny thing is the crescendo of it all is Mark and I were in San Jose in attendance to see him high crotch toss Barnett around. Like, he ragdolled Barnett. It was 
it was absurd the domination that he put over Barnett. And like, you know, Mark Mark loves the old school guys, and we were excited to see him. Uh, quick story is um, we bought tickets on StubHub, and our seller uh, reported those tickets as stolen. So they invalidated our tickets as soon as we got there, but it being San Jose and it being Strike Force, somehow better t- tickets were available for a cheaper price. So um, that was a fun time. But yeah, we saw that. Not just evolution of Daniel Cormier. That was light speed. That was that was Rick gets a portal gun and suddenly the universe is open and the laws of space and time don't apply anymore. Um, this is a incredibly tough fight to pick. Um, Stipe is just peaking. This is the best of man. I mean, he's just this is as good as he gets. And, I, and Daniel Cormier says he's done in a year, and it's not because he's fading. Um, he's just forty years old in, in, in March, and he recognizes he's done. At least says he does. Uh, says he is. Stipe is a minus 230 favorite. Daniel Cormier is plus 210. I'm going to take Stipe Miosic for one reason. Um, well, multiple reasons, but this is the one that's sticking out to me. Daniel Cormier uh, came back and fought Vulcan Ozdemir and was ducking his head the exact same fucking way that got caught him caught against John Jones. We were all pointing it out. We're like, he's doing it again. He's ducking his head right into it. And I've never seen Stipe head kick somebody. But you know what? Daniel Cormier is not that long, tall, and if he and he is a smart enough striker and a good enough coaching staff that if he if Daniel Cormier does that shit, he's gonna get hit. And uh, I'm not 100 confident in this pick at all, to be honest. It could go either way. But and but Steep and Stepe can get cracked, and he has been cracked a lot of times. And I'm not sure Daniel Cormier hits harder than Alistar Overeem. You know, I'm really not so sure he does. And Stipe is not the same wrestler that DC is, but I saw DC get taken down by Anthony Johnson. You know, just saying. So I'm going to take Stipe Miosic here to just continue to be the best goddamn heavyweight in the world. Um, what do you think, Mike? I think that what we're going to see is 100% Daniel Cormier because that poor dude basically chops off arms to get down to 205. You know, every four. Or Very five good months. point. Very good point. He's gonna. He last fought in what January, and basically right after that fight against uh, No Time, he knew he was gonna be fighting Stipe. So this man, I'm not saying he's been eating burgers and fried chicken this whole time, but he has for sure been eating a high protein diet. Hasn't had to do any weight cutting. All he's been doing is probably focusing on strength training, wrestling, and. And, and getting, you know, carrying the weight even better. I'm not saying that it's not going to be hard for him, but I don't think it's going to be as much of a mismatch as my people might think because he's moving up to heavyweight and fighting arguably the best heavyweight in the world. Like you said before, Cormier had not lost that heavyweight yet, and when he was at heavyweight, he was ragdolling mother efforts. So... He has shown the ability and the tenacity to, to hang with heavyweights before and not just hang, but thrive with them. Uh, those, you know, potential problems with, uh, you know, with his, uh, with his head aside, ah, I don't know. I guess we'll see if uh, Milsic is able to pick up on that and if he even knows how to throw a head kick. That'll, that'd be interesting to see. But I think Cormier will be able to get uh, – Stipe down and do what he was able to do at 205. Uh, Stefan, 
Cleveland could lose LeBron and the heavyweight championship in the same week. It would make me happy. Um, even though I'm picking Stipe. Well, what do you think, man? This is a this is a this is another tough one. These top two fights are really this is peak MMA in terms of actual skill and you know what they're what they're fighting for. What do you think is going to happen in this? I one? mean, peak MMA is the fight right before it. Brian Ortega, Max Holloway. That is the peak mm -hmm. of MMA skill that we are, are witnessing. <laughs> I don't don't be so offensive on the same fight. Um, I don't think you mentioned the line, but um, the line is pretty solid. It's minus two thirty Stipe and plus 210 uh, DC, so it's pretty oh. much 2-1 odds either way. But um, I'm with Mike on this one. I like Daniel Cormier to do it. Um, you know, once upon a time, and uh, I unfairly referred to Stipe Miocic as the poor man's Cain Velasquez. Um, this is back when he was getting knocked out by the likes of Stefan Struve. But that was simply meant to say they share very similar styles in terms of what they can do in their games. And... Who's DC's best friend and training partner is Cain Velasquez. If there's a person who ha in the world who has a training partner who can replicate Stipe, it's DC. But that's not even the big reason I'm picking him. The big reason I'm picking DC is because the thing I love above all else is storylines. And what is the storyline here? Is DC wins this belt. He gets that heavyweight belt. And who is there lurking in the shadows to ruin his special day? John Jones. John Jones is going to ruin Daniel Cormier's special day because so I know some people said Daniel DC got the high ground on Jones. I don't think so. I remember the knockouts. I'm the person who doesn't want to know the awful truth. I just want to see them hit some dingers. And that's John Jones in a nutshell. And John Jones is going to come back. We've shown that the UFC is they're unscrupulous. Connor is not going to get punished by the UFC internally. Whatever the athletic commission decides is what they decide, but UFC is not going to tack anything onto that. UFC is definitely going to let in Brock Lesnar. They're definitely going to let in John Jones. So why the hell not is DC's farewell fight not going to be a heavyweight title for Jones to take? That's the storyline. That's the big sells. That's the uh, white knights of the internet getting in on Jones and then him still being an asshole and winning. That's the storyline. Marcus, why don't you round this out for us? Uh, yeah, I'm actually um, I'm with you on this one, Bob, with Stipe. Um, I think my heart, I, I kind of agree with. I'm like pulling for two different things here because I think Stipe is going to win the fight. I think Joan, uh, I think uh, DC does or has shown some struggles against uh, taller fighters. Like when you look at his fight against Anders uh, with Gustafson and obviously Jones, which we mentioned many times before. Um, Stipe is a little bit of a different beast. He his you know offense standing up isn't quite as diverse. He has a killer i think he's left-handed right bob so it's a left straight which i mean he's won many fights with and i think that's going to be kind of the key to win this fight against dc because i think what dc is going to have to do is what he does against all the tall guys he has to get in that clinch and make it a fucking dirty fight and he's good at that you know he's good at dirty boxing in the clinch and really putting on a high energy fight um i think the wrestling obviously dc is a much more De uh, you know, decorated wrestler, but Stipe knows his P's and Q's. He's a Division One wrestler himself. He's not a guy that we've really seen get out wrestled a lot. We haven't seen him fight against guys that you know have the caliber wrestling DC has. Um, so it's another question there. I just I like Stipe because he's going to be the taller, leaner fighter, and I I just I, I like his chances of him landing that left because um, I don't think DC stand up is quite there. Like Bob said, he he does have. Some tendencies to enter the clinch um, the same way repeatedly, and if Stipe and his team have started advising 
different techniques he's going to be able to use to stop those avenues that he likes to get in clinches. If they can stop him from clinching altogether, I think Stipe has a really strong shot. Um, it's just going to be a tough fight. It, it's a hard fight to call. Um, and why I said earlier why I'm kind of on two different sides of the coin because while I think Stipe is going to win, when I logically break it down, I just see this guy getting his hand uh, raised. I do want DC to win. I think it'd be awesome if he was a dual defending champion, right? And But my twist on it is I would like to see him fight against John Jones and have him have his victory that he's he's pined for for so long. And I think even if that fight does come to fruition, let's say DC beats Stipe here, John Jones is clear to fight. He wants to go to heavyweight. Obvious fight to make, right? Um, I'm still interested in that fight because of what something Mike brought up, um, the weight cut for DC. It's weird. Um, we don't talk about it a ton, but and it, it's hard because DC is a kind of, you know, a thick guy, if you will. He doesn't really get cut. He has a bit of a gut on him. So when we see him at the weigh-ins, it's all in facial expression, right? That dude is just so drawn out. It, it, I mean, you, we talked about the the grabbing the can, uh, the towel scandal. Like this dude is just dying to get that weight just so he can get off and, and get replenished. Uh, so I do feel like he'll physically be in better shape at heavyweight. Um, it's just steep age is a tough, a tough call to, uh, to come in and try to take that belt away. It's just a really tough, tough, fun fight. And that's what makes this card so interesting, right? Is that both of the, the main events have everything's at stake, right? Especially in this fight, there's not really two titles on the line, but we have a, a champion from light heavyweight going to heavyweight, trying to take that belt, trying to do what Conor McGregor did. And I would say with, Probably with, I would say, with as much authority getting this title shot because he did lose to John Jones two fights ago, right? Um, even though it was overturned, Conor McGregor lost against Nate Diaz, got the rematch, and then fought. I mean, there, there's weird things. Neither of those guys really, I felt, truly deserved to have dual championships because their their records are a little marred with some weird losses or controversy. But um, it would be quite a feat for DC to be able to do this and uh, against a guy like Stipe really tough tough out but yeah just so exciting it makes this card so fun both those fights are just amazing on paper and uh it, it's hard to imagine that they won't deliver as well so just super excited i got stipe i would love it if dc won i think there's a lot more interesting storylines going on if dc wins but he's gotta get the win and that's gonna be tough so ufc 226 uh i'm gonna be there um but i'm gonna go fly i'm gonna fly there on friday go watch it with my little brother um, apparently there's a club inside of the T-Mobile arena and that's where we have a table with seats, which I'm going to kill that DJ. I know it's going to, I'm going to motherfucker playing music during the main event. We're going to have a problem. Man, how, did, All right? how did your brother convince you to do bottle service? No, there was no, this is okay. My way of getting this thing is a whole different operation. That's a, this is, he's not, we're not sold. We might have to sell these tickets and go somewhere else. Which I'm strongly in favor of, of these motherfuckers. In a, it's 112 degrees in Vegas, man. I had no intention of packing pants, okay? I wanted to, I'm going to show up in a t-shirt and shorts, and I'm not sure that's club attire in Las Vegas on a Saturday night. That Let's would that be way. the most fucked up thing in the world if you pay like $200 tickets to see a fight event, and they're like, nah, dog, you don't got dress shoes for this club. <laughs> this is like, no, 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 I paid fucking top dollar. Yeah. I'm going to work like, yeah, man. handles in this shit. Bob, your brother's going like to find a way to pay bottle service somehow. If your brother was a Pokemon, his evolutionary form would be DJ Khaled. That would be my little evolutionary form of Nikki. My little brother literally was the first thing he said is like, hey, uh, how much is cage side? And I gave him the honest answer of like, you don't want to sit cage side. Because like, look, folks, 
if you've never been to a MMA event, this is where you want to sit. You want to sit in the lower level, center, I want to say 12 rows up. 12 to 15 rows up, maybe. A little elevated, so you can see the fucking cage and what's happening inside the cage. Um, we've sat everywhere. We've sat right next to the cage. You're looking up the whole time. You can't see shit if they hit the ground. It's just, you can't. It's, they're, they're like, their eye level, like, when they're on the ground, it's like your eye level. It's pain in the ass to try to watch. You're staring up at screens and shit. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to make some moves. I'm also there during the NBA uh, Summer League. So if I got time, I'm gonna go pay 20 bucks for both tickets and a whole bunch of uh, arena snacks, because... I mean, we learned across the board are like two dollars, two dollars, exactly. two dollar popcorn, two dollar nachos. If I remember correctly, Mark did the full menu over the course yeah. of our three games there. Yeah, <laughs> they had everything. I don't know if that I was, did all that, but I mean, I want to put it past me. I mean, it was, I think you might have done it on a principle. You're like, it costs fourteen dollars. I bought everything. <laughs> um, I don't really have anything for stuff we like. Um this week, so I'm just going to see if anybody else does because we're already at an hour and 25 minutes and I ain't got shit to say because I'm just excited for this fight. Uh, anybody got anything? Uh, sure. It's just a continuation. Um, I'm loving the World Cup. I watched the uh, the Belgium-Japan game, one of the best games of the tournament. Such a heartbreaker for Japan to give up uh, two goals in like the final five minutes. Um, great game, though. Um, I'm another season in of Shokugeki no Soma. Uh, AKA Food Wars, which I mentioned. Mike saw it. It's got some silly, wacky ass humor, but I will say at the point where I'm in now, you're starting to see the heart of the series. And I remember I was watching an episode and I like was like clapping my hands by myself. And I'm like, this show has so much goddamn heart. Like, that's where animes can really win you over because you do grow to care for their cast of eccentric characters. Um, and on top of that, I checked out something uh, Mike watched and recommended. Um, and that was. Uh, Cloak and Dagger, five episodes in. I dig it. It is low budget as hell, but I dig it. Like her light dagger, which looks like some paper mache thing that like a child is making. Like it is so cheap looking, but I, I dig the show. I dig the show. Uh, you guys got anything? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, I tried giving Shigeki no Soma uh, a, a look last week after Stefan recommended it. Um, it's a ridiculous show. Uh, I don't know how your nephew and niece, who are children, I don't know how they're watching women orgasm every episode whenever they bite into a souffle or ramen. Men or, or, or fucking cereal. Equal opportunity, Mike. Jesus. But uh, as ridiculous as the show is, I did power through and I got through like the first five episodes and I still think it's ridiculous even for an anime show about food, but I've learned and actually gotten to kind of enjoy it in a weird way. Uh, I've actually finished like the first 14 to 15 episodes uh, since you recommended it last week. So um, I still think it's nonsense, but I'm kind of hooked on it. Um, Besides that, uh, I had been talking with a, for a while, I think every so often, about getting DDP yoga. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, that's Diamond Dallas Page Yoga. Um, I had done some yoga back when I was in law school and I had enjoyed it, but I'd gotten out of it and 
I really didn't know how to get back into it because yoga places in New York City are freaking expensive as hell. Uh, so after about six months of hemming and hawing, I finally ordered a DDP yoga. If you're wondering why I didn't order, it's because they charge $9 shipping and handling. And by, just on principle's sake, I didn't want to pay that. But I got it about a week ago now. Um, I've used it about four of the seven mornings um, since, uh, since I've gotten it. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, somehow, Diamond Dallas Page is actually a very good yogi in that uh, he really dumbs it all down. He doesn't use a lot of those really hokey words that, um, you know, yoga, yoga instructors will use. So it sounds more grounded and it sounds more like an actual exercise than when, you know, they're talking about chakras and, you know, alignments and, you know, a lot of that hokey bullshit. So if you guys have any, like, pains or you know you want to try to get into yoga but you know you think you're too much of a manly man uh try out ddp yoga I, i've enjoyed it so far um besides that I don't really have it's, it's a lot of else. like it's like like a lot of like calisthenics plant and like stuff like it's a lot of body weight exercise and stuff like that too isn't it it, it is it's um it's it's a lot of like own body resistance um it's a mixture of uh yoga and calisthenics basically all right, um, Marcus, did you have anything? Uh, yeah, my first comment is, what the fuck happened to Mike, man? It's either, I mean, probably the most open-minded person I've ever met because I don't, how long ago was it? Like, Mike wasn't on wrestling at all. Could not care at all. And now dude's doing DDP yoga. I don't think anyone could. Yo, like DDP is printing money. Uh, like, he was on Shark Tank with that shit. In fairness, that wasn't because I started watching wrestling, though. I'd heard about DDP yoga ever since, uh, actually, me and Bobby's uh, friend from law school, Justin, told me about it back when I was actually still living in Syracuse. Um, but how did he, he know was, about it? <laughs> Well, he probably is a fan of wrestling. Okay. I, I mean, it, it, I was going to ask you too if 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 you did did just hear about DDP yoga because it was a good program, or if it was because you have recently kind of gotten into pro wrestling. It's just like I don't think I've ever would have guessed. Like, you know what, Mike? Mike doesn't like the WWE right now, but three months from now, DDP yoga is going to be the hot no, shit. Um, even if I hadn't been into it, like I'd heard so many good things about DDP yoga, and um, I had. I, I don't know why I put off doing it so long because I uh, I've kind of developed some some back problems in the last uh, two three years, and you know I'd kept hearing all oh, like DDP yoga like saved Diamond Dallas's Page's uh, career after he blew threw his back out, and I'd kept telling myself for a long time I should probably get into yoga I should probably do this this will only help it's not gonna make things worse I should give it a try so. No, I, I would have gotten it. I probably would have gotten it even if I hadn't been back. Fair enough. I just, I just, I just think it's really interesting that a while ago you're like, I don't care about wrestling. And now it's like you're on top of it and you're doing DDP yoga. It's just I would have never guessed. Um, it, this week I caught up on the past season of Nathan for You, which is uh, one of my favorite shows. I know Steph was a big fan of it. We used to watch it all. Uh, the time. Another show my niece watches. I don't know what my, how my niece finds shows, but she finds shows that I like, apparently. Uh, I mean, all I really want to say is, uh, first and foremost, I, I enjoyed this season a lot. Um, I think Nathan Fielder 
has a very unique style of comedy that isn't going to jive with anyone. I can just kind of give you kind of like a fair kind of warning. If you don't really like what you like a lot of people consider like cringe worthy kind of humor where it's like there is a awkward situation going on where something awkward is going on with both characters and it's kind of humorous in its awkwardness. If that just makes you feel uncomfortable, like, oh, I do not like watching this kind of thing. I completely understand this show is not going to be for you, but I'm so confused about how much, like, I, I honestly consider Nathan Fielder to maybe be a comedic genius of our age that isn't really getting the respect he deserves because he's either scripting the show that is so well written and acted that I honestly can't tell if it's a scripted show or he somehow, like, because Nathan Fielder himself is a very awkward person and he's also a comedian that. I haven't seen the juxtaposition between his persona and him as a person. Cause every time you, all the TV shows I've seen him on in this show, he's very smart and witty, but he's kind of socially awkward. And every interview I've seen with him on, on like late night shows, he's that same person. And I watch the people that he attracts onto the show and the things that they agree to and the things they say. And I'm just like, I have, one, I have a hard time believing anyone would do this, even though I think my um, the rationale I put in my head is that he's filming a TV show. These are kind of weird, awkward people that are seeing an opportunity to be on TV and kind of be more than maybe what they thought they could be. But at the same time, these people are so kind of socially awkward. And the things that they admit to or say to Nathan Fielder are mind-boggling. I just don't – I have a hard time. This is where – because like, is, this has to be scripted, right? Who would agree to handcuff themselves to another person for a night? Because it's just like, that's just a little tidbit of one of the things. Like the scenarios that he thinks of to help businesses, which is the basic premise of the show. He goes to struggling business. He thinks of a weird way for them to drum up more business. And then he executes on that. And it's it succeeds or fails. More often than not, it succeeds because he's a very smart person who's very witty and comes up with unique ideas and then what makes the, the show actually funny and humorous is that to pull off these really unique ideas, he goes to extreme lengths to follow the leather of the law and basic business practice. So he's not really breaking any rules or anything, but he's bending it in such a way that makes people interested in whatever he's trying to sell. That part of the show, I think, is probably the most comedic and interesting, but the most kind of outrageous is just that he finds these weird people, he puts them in a weird situation, and then they start admitting or saying the most weird, crazy things that, like, I honestly have a hard time. Like, I, I honestly, I think the show has to be real because not only would the writing be so realistic and authentic, but these people that come on the show generally seem kind of socially awkward. And I know, I think a lot of people feel socially awkward. I know I do. I think it's very common. But, like, you can tell that they're, they're a bit more of a severe case. And to have an actor that doesn't fit the mold of someone that you would put on TV and to play a character that, that is that socially awkward and to give the performance that they're giving, I have to believe it's real. And it's just, it's just so weird to me that he's able to find and create these scenarios that I find extremely humorous. I mean, that's ultimately, I think what makes him a comedic genius, but just that he's able to kind of orchestrate all these things and in kind of an improv way where he's, he can't control these. Cause I think they're, it's a reality TV show. He can't control these variables but he manipulates it in such a way that he puts them in a scenario that gets them to say things and do things that are very unlike that you would imagine. And I think it, and I think it makes for great television. 
I don't know if, it, if his show is getting another season or how long he can continue this show. And at the same time, I don't, I feel like this is the best vehicle for him and his kind of humor where he has the freedom to kind of do what he wants and kind of create these scenarios. Um, Cause I don't, I don't see like, how does he slot in as well into a movie or a sitcom? He can always, I think he, he can act and he can play kind of like a weird geeky character but like, I think this show plays to all of his strengths as a comedian, and I just hope it keeps going on because I think he's extremely smart with what he does. I think he's extremely funny. If and I'm, I'm just roll for him in uh, the Disaster Artist because, as you said, it's all about these weird, horribly awkward moments. He's in that too, and I haven't seen that. That makes me want to see it more because I want to see. <clears throat> I'm really interested to talk to him outside of like entertainment and just see like it. Is he really the person that he kind of portrays on the show? Because it seems really authentic. But I feel like he's probably playing a character, right? Like, everyone plays a character. But I just, like, I, I wonder, like, is he really as lonely as he comes off in the show? And I kind of think he might be. And it's weird to think of that because he's, he's seemingly very successful. But I don't know. It, it's it's a comedy that makes me think a lot about, like, what I'm actually watching. And, I mean, I, I think, I, honestly, I think it is this reality TV show. And he gets these crazy people. But... Man, it is. It really makes me think, and that's not what I say a lot. A lot of comedies, so that's it. <laughs> Cut the show. <laughs> All right, um, another long one for you, folks. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, please tell me there's not a card the following week. Um, somebody's looking this up, right? Probably one in get like Idaho or something. It still sounds like that was, uh, the 14th. I think that is the next week. Yeah. That is. Yeah. What is it? The train keeps rolling, baby. What is the fight? Oh, it's um, Junior Dos Santos and some Russian guy. Is it in Idaho? Oh, is that. Is that in. No, that's in. God, they're making Junior go to Idaho? Okay. Oh, it is in Idaho. And then. Oh, yeah. And then uh, a couple weeks later, you got uh, Shogun versus now Anthony Smith because they pulled. Uh, Vulcan, I think, out of that fight. Vulcan or Gus, one of the two, got pulled out of that fight. Um, yeah, all right. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but Johnny Hendricks retired. I imagine that'll be something we talk about next week where we do our best not to just make wild accusations about a man. And by we, I mean basically me. Um, back next week. Um, guys, if you're going to order a UFC fight, this is pretty much, like, if you want to sell your friends, like, you could pretty much, I mean, Stefan's saying it too, like, that co-main event is just, in terms of skill, that's as good as we're going to get. Top tier. And and we got the greatest heavyweight to ever do it in the UFC, taking on a man who might be, quite frankly, for all we know, uh, Daniel Cormier could be the second best fighter ever. He's only ever lost to John Jones. Could be him. So if you were trying to sell people on this, like this is as good as it gets. What if Stipe and beats DC and pops for steroids? What if Stipe beats Love DC? I want, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm rooting for that DC, that Stipe just beat everybody's ass train, and his terrible interviews were just, you know, he sounds all gargled and shit the whole There's time. There's a reason he doesn't speak in his Modelo ad campaign. It's just a series exactly. of I just, you know, I, I, I gotta watch Embedded just so he can hang up on his wife uh, again. That's what, <laughs> that, that, that's why I watch the Embedded's for. His wife just getting angry at him for hanging up on her. All right, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, fuck the Lakers. Beat LA. All that shit. And peace out. See ya. Later.